coming up next on Chamber Amplified. So then the the issue becomes you start arguing about the value of the business, what you have to pay to buy out your sibling's interest in the business. Um, and obviously the person who wants to or who has to buy the interest wants a low value. The sibling who oftentimes is not involved in the business wants a high value. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Doug Jenkins with the Finlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce. On each episode of Chamber Amplified, we're examining issues impacting the local business community, whether it's employee recruitment, retention, marketing, IT issues. You know the drill. If it's think something that can impact your business, that's something we want to talk about here on the podcast. Our goal is to give our members tips each week on at least one way they can improve operations and thrive in the current business environment. Each week, we're also talking to long-tenured Chamber of Commerce members to learn more about how they got started in their twists and turns along the way. So I read an interesting article a few weeks back that I found interesting and then by transitive property decided that you would also find it interesting. Baby boomers are retiring and well that's obvious but that doesn't mean that they're just leaving the workforce that also means they might be selling their businesses as well. Pat Sadowski from Eastman and Smith joins me today to talk about the things that business owners should be doing before they decide to hang it up and what can happen if you fail to plan. Believe me, you want to plan for that eventuality. We also talk about what this can mean for a new generation of business owners and what they need to be doing to plan on that side of things, too. It's really interesting. I think over the next 10, 15 years, you're going to see a lot of transition in ownership from some of our longer tenured businesses around here. We're also continuing to highlight our Small Business Award winners this week. We're joined by Ryan and Shannon George of Buckeye Family Farms. They were recently presented with the Go Local Award for an organization that's dedicated to growing in the Hancock County community, as well as collaborating with other local organizations. They'll tell us all about how they're doing that. And they've got a fun story about how a project with their kids during COVID turned into a booming business for them. Love stories like this. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Again, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can always rate and review the show. That does go a long way in helping spread the word. Now, let's get into it. Joined now on the podcast by Pat Sadowski of Eastman and Smith. Pat, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, Doug. I appreciate the invitation. So I got to reading an article the other day about, obviously, baby boomers are starting to cycle out of the workforce. And part of that is many baby boomers own businesses. And cycling out of the workforce and retirement for them looks a little bit different uh, if you're a business owner. And it talks a little bit about some of the things that they need to to be mindful of. And I thought, well, let's let's talk about that on the podcast. So I appreciate you joining that or joining us to talk about that. What um, what are things people need to be considering in the succession planning in the world of succession planning? I guess I should say. Yeah, sure. That's that's a a, a good question and a really good topic. Um, first of all, I want to point out, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, it's our office Christmas party today. So I'm dressed uh, extra festive. I, I don't normally wear green jackets and, and Christmas ties, but uh, um, you're lucky. But, I'm not going to use the video for it. Oh, okay. even, like, I, should, if, I wish I'd have known. I would, I would have, I would have held you for ransom. Like, well, for very, very a good. specific um, amount, yeah. we will not air the video. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, no, the, the, the number one, um, I don't know if concern is the right word, but the the key to a successful transfer of your business to the next generation is planning. And I always tell my estate planning clients and, and business succession clients are, are 
estate planning clients. This is an estate planning issue um, that there's only one rule to estate planning and business succession planning. And that's you got to do it before you die. And I know that's kind of flippant, but it's absolutely true. And if you don't plan for this before you pass away or before you become incapacitated to an extent that you can't plan for it, uh, even while you're alive, uh, then you could run into some real big issues uh, when the business, you know, transfers to that next generation. So the the number one rule is to plan and and. Um, take the time to do this because this is not an overnight thing. Uh, it does take time. It does take lots of thought uh, and discernment and then uh, put something together and on paper and make sure you have as orderly of a transition of the business as possible. Let's, let's talk about that scary scenario. If you don't have the plan and something and something unexpected happens, what then happens to the business? Well, you know, it depends a lot upon the family dynamic of that next generation or a surviving spouse. Um, it could be a smooth transition if, for example, you have uh, kids who get along, if you have uh, kids who are key employees within the business, uh, and kids who understand that, who inherit the business. Um, that they've got to buy out their siblings, the interest in the shares right, of the estate or the units of the company. Uh, that's an ideal situation if you do no planning and the kids get along. But oftentimes what you see, particularly in businesses where there are kids who are involved and kids who are not, is that uh, the kids who are involved sometimes take the stance that, well, hold on a second. This business isn't worth anything unless I stick around. So why should I pay my siblings, you know, money, even though it's an inheritance from their mom or dad? Why should I pay my siblings any money? Because if I leave, this isn't worth anything. So then the the issue becomes you start arguing about the value of the business what you have to pay to buy out your siblings' interest in the business. Um, and obviously the person who wants to, or who has to buy the interest wants a low value. The sibling who oftentimes is not involved in the business wants a high value. Uh, and if, and a lot of times with small business owners, and this is, I'm going to also lump in here farmers. Yeah. you Because farmers are small business owners. Oh, absolutely. Their, their business is agriculture. And oftentimes when you deal with small business owners, there is very little, the, the individual who owns either the farm ground or the assets of the company or whatever it may be, oftentimes have little uh, liquidity. So for example, if I own a $2 million farm and I have two, two kids who farm it and I have two kids who don't, and then all my other assets combined are $500,000. Now I've got a pot of two and a half million that, that I want to split four ways. Mm -hmm. Well, the two kids who continue to farm the ground are going to say, well, we want the, we want the farm, but that's the vast majority or the bulk of the, the estate, the, the assets of the estate. And so the question becomes, you know, how do you equalize those four parts? Right? How do you make them all the same but still maintain the integrity of the farm ground or the, the integrity of the business? 
Uh, and so there are ways to sort of increase liquidity so that the two kids who aren't involved in the business get cash. The two kids who are involved in the business get the business interests or get the farm ground. Uh, and ways to do that, typically, um, if you can find a cheap, you know, depending upon how old you are and what how your health is, a good uh, cheap uh, term life insurance policy, oftentimes that can help uh, equalize the distributions. Um, but really, it, it could be an absolute train wreck if you do no planning, an absolute train wreck. I would imagine uh, that. And I'm sorry, Pat, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I would imagine that if you don't have an heir to pass a business along to, it gets even murkier than what happens. And not only yeah, like what happens to the people who work there who were depending on you. Yeah. And and that all depends on the, the business. Right. So if if, for example, you have no heir, that could actually turn out to your favor, because if you don't have an heir, then sometimes you eliminate the uh, sibling rivalry. Right. right? Who gets what in uh, in. You can, you know, when the person passes away, uh, you know, the executor of the estate or the trustee of the trust or whoever owns the, the stock or the interests in the company at that time can simply go out and sell the company, uh, hire a broker or try and do it on your own and sell the company. But the key is, you know, or the pitfall to this is if, if you wait too long. And if you are sort of a, a Superman employee, you, the decedent, the person who passed away, if you're the one who's doing everything and then you die, well, your business isn't worth as much as it was when you were alive, mm -hmm. right? So this is where um, proper planning, you can, you can um, take steps to sell the business before you pass away and try and maximize the value. Pat, if uh, well, let's let's kind of go through the steps. So if someone comes to you and say, "Look, I'm I'm you know considering that getting out of my business, I want to retire," what are the steps you walk them through if they they meet with you? Yeah, so one of my my former colleagues always used to talk about building the ramp, um, and that is getting the business in a position for sale, and that means getting all of your corporate record books and, and documents in line and, and having very good sound financials, uh, splitting assets. For example, if you've got your real estate and your, your machinery or whatever, all in the same bucket, maybe, maybe a buyer doesn't want to buy the real estate. Maybe the buyer only wants your intellectual property. Maybe the buyer only wants this, that, or the other thing. So we build the ramp and, and we get the business organized in such a manner that when the buyer comes knocking on the door, you have all your ducks in a row and all you have to do is turn over documents. You know, there's a, there's always a due diligence phase where the buyer is, you know, making sure that the business in fact generates the revenue that you say it does. Um, so, you know, but that takes time. And what I would say is for anyone who is considering selling their business, you know, three to five years out, talk to an attorney who does business succession planning or sales of businesses um, and make sure your ducks are in a row. And then you can start courting potential suitors and buyers for the business. Pat, one last question for you. I know, know you're a little pressed for time here, but so we're talking about you know people selling their business and, and baby boomers cycling out of the workforce. That means there's a younger 
business owner potentially on the horizon, what things legally should they be doing if they're considering buying a business or, or you know, buying that intellectual property like you were talking about? Yeah, it's the same thing. Hire a, a decent attorney and a decent accountant <laughs> who can analyze those records, right? Uh, and and for someone younger, you know, really um, buying a business is a big risk. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just like any entrepreneur starting his or her own business, it's it's a big risk. The risk with buying an, an existing business, um, obviously, you get all the goodwill that goes along with buying an existing business, you know, the names and the customers and all that stuff, uh, the accounts. Uh, but but the drawback is you're buying, you're taking on debt to do that. You're buying out someone else's business as opposed to starting your own, which has its own whole host of issues. Uh, but that that's the risk. And for a young person who may get fed up working at, you know, uh, whatever current employer and says, well, I'm going to do this on my own, um, they got to really make sure they like it uh, because if they don't like it, you're still stuck with the debt, you know, and, and uh, sometimes you, that, that doesn't result in a, in a, you know, or it doesn't have a good result. So for a young person, hire a good attorney that knows how to acquire a business, hire a good accountant that knows how to review books and make sure you, you like what this business is going to do. I um, real quick, uh, you know, I oftentimes advise younger people who are looking to buy a business to go work at the business for six months or a year. Um, And oftentimes sellers, you know, as long as you've got a motivated buyer, they know what they're doing, uh, they would be amenable to this and and work within the company, um, either as an employee or as an outside contractor, consultant, whatever that you can provide some value to the company and, and spend some time in there before you actually pull the trigger and incur a bunch of debt to buy the assets or buy the business. Like that's great advice. Pat, if anybody would want to talk to you a little bit more on these subjects, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, as most of my clients know, email is better than a phone call. I, <laughs> I generally respond uh, more quickly to an email than a phone call. Uh, but um, my information is on the Eastman Smith website. Um, you can shoot me an email or give me a call and, uh, I'd be happy to touch base and walk through these issues with anyone who uh, cares to discuss them, discuss them. Very good. Well, Pat, we appreciate your time. We also appreciate you not counting these as billable hours. So (laughs) very kind of you today. (laughs) You're, you're welcome, Doug. Thanks again to Pat for joining us. One stat that we didn't have time to mention is that 70% of businesses fail by the time they make it to the third generation of a family. So it's really important to have that succession plan in place to keep things going on and on. One quick chamber note to run by you. Our January event schedule is now up online at findlayhancockchamber.com. If you're interested in what's happening in the local business community, don't miss the January 10th Fresh Brewed Business. We'll be getting an update from economic development as well as several other agencies about what's going on in that space. So make sure you kick off your new year right by joining us on January 10th at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. It'll be a great way to meet a lot of different people and learn what's going on in the business community, like I said. Now let's get back into the show. Joining us now on the podcast, winners of a small business award this year, Buckeye Family Farms, represented by Ryan and Shannon George. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Doug. 
Absolutely. So I, I, first of all, before we even get into it, I love popcorn. This is my a number one snack food. I got the, uh, the gift set, uh, as a present from you guys already this year. Um, not from you guys, it came from Buckeye farms, but with the whirly pop and, uh, and your, your popcorn in it. And it's almost in daily use at our house. So I will vouch the product is solid. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's what we like to hear we like uh we like to get out there we like people to enjoy it. popcorn is the best snack food i just it's that's just where it is how did you get started what made you guys decide to uh to go into growing popcorn um we started in 2020 uh the spring of 2020 um the obviously during the covid lockdown the kids were getting bored looking for something else to do <clears throat> one of my crop insurance customers raised some popcorn uh, I mentioned that I wanted to try it. He's like, here, try some of this seed I got left from last year. Um, so it was a good project for uh, us to do with the kids. It gave them something to something different than the normal field corn we usually have uh, to keep an eye on over the year. And and it was just something that kind of grew from grew from there. It started as just a fun little project. That is crazy. You were bored during lockdowns, and now you have a business out of it. Uh, that's an amazing story. What's the I mean, I, obviously, there's a difference between seed corn, popcorn, sweet corn, all of that. What makes popcorn different? Uh, so popcorn, uh, same growing season as your normal field corn. Um, you have to dry it down uh, like like a normal field corn would to store it. Um, it's it's a non-GMO product. Uh, there's no there's no genetically modified popcorn out there. So you have to watch um, some of the some of the conventional farming methods we use. We can't use on the popcorn, but overall. As far as management goes, it's very, very similar to our normal field corn that we grow. What's the process like of taking what was just a fun project for you and the kids to do uh, during quarantine stuff and then ramp it up to this is on store shelves. You can go get this right now. Uh, how do you go? How do you go about doing that? Um, so the first year we, we uh, raised popcorn, we had a half an acre, which isn't very much. So just as a reference, half an acre would be about half a football field's worth of popcorn. Mm -hmm. Um, and out of that, we got, I don't know, 1500, maybe a, a 2000 pounds of popcorn that we just kind of gave away at Christmas time. Just something we decided to do. We packaged it up, gave it to friends and family. And, uh, from there, everybody was like, Hey, this is kind of, this is kind of good. You got any more of that left? You got any more? <laughs> Um, I was going to ask the same thing because I went through everything in that gift, gift basket. I, <laughs> I've got to find the store locations quickly. Absolutely. So, and so from there, it went from a half an acre to in 2020 to to five and a half acres last year, which uh, works out to you know 20, 25,000 pounds of popcorn. Uh, and this last year, we just got done harvesting here within the last couple of weeks. Um, we'll end up having over about forty to forty-five thousand pounds of popcorn off of our eleven acres this year. So we're gonna we're gonna have plenty of supply around and they're in the area stores to, to work through. Wow, what's what what's the process of of then getting into a retail store? It's one thing to have it, and you, you know you've got a good product there, but now you've got to convince people to put it on their shelves. Well, I will say our our first store that approached us is Jody and Abby at Rhubarb. Believe it or not. <laughs> Um, I can believe that. That's awesome. They, yeah, she saw it on Facebook. And we've been friends before this anyway. And she called me one day. I was walking around Walmart and she said, hey, will you wholesale that stuff? I'm like, absolutely. So she was the first one that had reached out to us. Um, so from there, then we approached other various uh, retailers in the area. And they said, yes, they love to sell local um local products so from there we are in the brinkman's now mm -hmm. um 
And then we're also at Legacy Lawn and Pet in Finley and Deets Brothers as well. Um, we have a really good partnership with Herdwell down in Arlington. Um, I don't know if you've been down there yet, but yeah. they carry all local stuff down there and it's an awesome place to go. Um, and then Arcadia Superettes, um, can even market in Gilboa actually over there too. So, and some local, um, farm markets that are seasonal, um, mm-hmm. Metzger's market over in Alveda and then, um, Canines Country Market closer to the Fostoria area. So it's been great. Um, so that's how we started. We plan on growing more. Um, <laughs> it is a process. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just getting our name out. That's, that's the biggest thing. What are the biggest pressures you feel from such a rapid expansion? Um, how to get it all done while still maintaining the quality. So um, we're a little bit different in how we do it. We're still doing it um, very much old school. We use a lot of equipment. Like we're, we're, we're picking the, the corn with an old school corn picker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that involves more uh, hand sorting, that kind of thing, to, to maintain good quality. So um, as we grow we have to make improvements in our process and, and to make sure we continue that quality that we're, that we're selling right now. You know, we're not, nobody knows who Buckeye family farms are. They know what good popcorn is. So we have to make that uh, we have to make, continue to make our name associated with the good popcorn. Absolutely. Shannon, you mentioned getting into all these local vendors and everything. And I think I already know the answer to it, but it does seem like the appetite is right in Northwest Ohio for local vendors to support other local vendors. Um, it is, you know, I don't know, in the 80s, 90s, I've been like, I don't know, just give me Orville Redenbacher or Jiffy Pop or something. Whereas now there are, you know, if you can have that niche product grown locally, sourced locally, and then in a local retailer, people really gravitate to that. Yes, absolutely. And um, we've had actually for this holiday season, and we plan on continuing it, we partnered with Dietz's, Um, And so I'm actually putting some of their chocolates in our gift baskets that we do, which is great. So anytime that we can partner together on different things and support each other, even just on social media, like tagging each other, like that's a huge, a huge mm-hmm. thing that's free <laughs> and that support. So, yeah. I need to get on there and review the product. I haven't done that. I was probably because... Okay. My hands have been just full of popcorn ever since I got this thing. I haven't been able to just click and and give a thumbs up on on things. What are the goals moving forward? I mean, this is uh, you'll, you'll be moving into year three here. Like you said, you're you're planning more and uh, expanding a little bit more. If if you had to say we've got one goal for 2023, what would that be? Um, I guess we're, we're always looking for more partners. You know, more local partners because we we named off a handful that we're with now, and I'm sure mm-hmm. we're overlooking several other that would be other local businesses small businesses that would be a great to partner up with but um we're also looking to grow our concession sand side of uh, mm-hmm. of the business too so like like you mentioned in in our gift basket Doug you've got a one or a two pound bag of popcorn that's great um but we also go all the way up to 50 pound bags of popcorn for concession stands as well so um we're starting to get into some local schools and and we and we sell our popcorn to the schools at a reduced cost uh, just so those concession stands can make a little bit more money and help those schools and kids out a little bit more. Um, so growing, growing all sides, partnering up with more local p- businesses and then growing our concession stand side of things would also be, I guess the goal for 23. Yeah, that's very, that's very cool. One, uh, it's great to see you guys get involved with the area schools like that too. I think you're underestimating exactly how much popcorn I'm capable of eating in a year. So <laughs> hey, we can hook you up with a 50 pound bag. So <laughs> 
<laughs> my, my wife would love that and uh, also probably not all be, be all that surprised uh, if I came walking in with <laughs> something that weighed about a quarter as much as I do. Uh, so if people want to learn more, if they maybe want to get in touch with you about uh, providing popcorn to their concession stands or maybe they want to ha- have it in their stores, what's the best way to get more information about Buckeye Family Farms? Um, they can visit our website at BuckeyeFamilyFarms.com. And we also have our Facebook page, which is Buckeye Family Farms as well. Um, that's the easiest. Our email and our phone numbers are listed there and you can scope out everything. Very good. If people want to do that, like those gift boxes, like like I received, that's the place to get those too? Yes, absolutely. Yep. You can order right through our website or you can text or email me directly as well. So, And if you're in the Finley area, we do provide um, local delivery as well. Finley, Arcadia, Fostoria. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, I'm real excited for you. It's it's great to see uh, a local business take off like this and, and have such a creative spin on you know something that we all eat all the time and here we can get it locally provided and, and it's great quality. And I'm I'm not just saying it because I have you on the podcast. I'm very specific in my popcorn taste. And uh boy, I was I was blown away by how good it was. So congratulations on on everything going on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Ryan and Shannon for joining us. I know I mentioned it like a half a dozen times while I was talking to them, but seriously, if you are a popcorn fanatic, you really need to try their products. They are really, really good. And you're helping a local up-and-coming business that started off as a project with their kids. I can't get over that story. I love it and love hearing stories like that. So uh, glad we got a chance to share that and really look forward to what they're going to be doing in the future. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you learned a little something about the local business community and hopefully a little something to help you run your business better. If you have any ideas for topics that we should be covering, just send me an email. It's djenkins at findlayhancockchamber.com. Remember, if you're listening on the website, that's great, but you can do it in a more convenient way. Just have it delivered straight to your phone by searching for Chamber Amplified in your favorite podcast player. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Chamber Amplified from the Findlay-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce.